Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast courtesy of Prospects1500.com. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez, and joining me today, David Gasper, right in the middle of all this MLB festivities. How's everything going with you over there in Milwaukee? Dude, I'm tired, man. It's been, it's been a busy couple of days. That uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that home run derby from last night? Any uh, Anything you want to share? Dude, that was nuts, man. I mean, the the Shohei Otani Juan Soto matchup that went to double went to double overtime was absolutely fantastic. I kind of wish Shohei had moved on, but um, you could tell he was getting kind of gasped there, and I, I just kind of had a feeling the longer it went into overtime, he wasn't going to be able to do it. Um, but I mean, Pete Alonso, oh my God, dude's just an absolute animal. Um, was, some kid uh, tears his ACL out in center field and he's just vibing out there at home plate and <laughs> jamming his head, hitting some more dingers. Oh, it was it was beautiful, dude. It, he had a few Red Bulls before that. I'm going to just wager at the minimum. <laughs> oh, man, he, I, he that might have just been natural energy. Who knows? I mean, he was, Alonso, he's, he was amped up. Yeah, he is a different animal. He is a polar bear. Um, yeah, everyone true. else is just a bear, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So seeing that Otani was clearly like fading towards the end there, do we like the timer or or should we go to like? Oh, I've loved the timer. The timer? Ever since they introduced the timer a couple of years ago, it's been absolutely fantastic. The Derby has been electric every single year since they added that, and they actually cut down on the time this year. Yeah, they, only, I think they had three minutes instead of four. Three um, minutes seems seems like a long time still. I didn't even really notice, you know, the difference this year. Yeah. But, I mean, Shohei, I think it was just kind of his approach to it. Um, and, and I think it being a little bit different than, um, you know, the home run derby that he had in, in Japan when he was over there. Um, and, you know, his strategy, I mean, he started off, he just hit a whole bunch of low-line drives. And it's like, okay, cool, those are base hits, man. But you need some dingers. Like, get it up in the air, get it going. And it, it took a phone call from Mike Trout and be like, hey, hit some dingers <laughs> cool. for, for him to finally get finally get going. Yeah, I like the timer too. It's definitely way better than the old way of doing it. I want oh, something. Oh yeah, that took forever. Yeah, I want something to reward though long home runs because that's honestly why I'm watching. That's what the bonus um, was for. Yeah, the bo- but the bonus is like one. I want you to like. I- I'm thinking maybe even more reward for that. Like maybe you stop the clock for everything over 475. So you stop the clock until your next hit or something like that, just so we can really see these guys try to launch <laughs> like when Ooh, Pete Alonso, dude, I mean, then, then you're going to end up with guys getting totally gassed by the end of it. Like Pete Alonso hitting like 10 in a row. Like, you know, the, the timer's just never going to stop on him. But, I mean, yeah. maybe you 475. I don't know if he's hitting 10, 475 in a row. What, I he kind of was like, he was did, like, were you watching I, well, what he was hitting? He was he clearly, 490, he 500, 510, 490. Like he was, he was winning that home run derby no matter what. I mean, we could put oh, yeah. whatever. He, well, we like want. he was built for it. Everyone else, you could tell, especially by the second round, they were tired. Pete yeah. Alonso's just vibing. He's he's just he's just bobbing his head, just dancing along, just easy swings, easy swings. And Dave Jouse, his uh, his coach, the that was throwing BP to him. Oh my God, what a day for him! Did you yeah. see his uh, his box? 
Like yeah. the, uh, the box of his pitches. Very impressive. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's like you got the, the small little box in the strike zone that's like, this is Pete Alonso's hot zone. Every single pitch was in it. Every single one. It was fantastic. Yeah. He did hit Pete once. You see that one? <laughs> I did see that. That, that was pretty incredible. <laughs> it was like every pitch was perfect except for one, which he hit. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, and then um, I, feel, I think it was the guy throwing to Soto, too. He had one that was like 50 cent and just shot way off to the left. Yeah, I think he was just trying to loosen Juan Soto up there a little bit. Because yeah. he, he went into fighter's pose after that. It's kind yeah. Of, well, it, uh, it was also 90 degrees out there, so it could just slipped out of his hand. I've had that before. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, it's definitely a, a great event, and it's it, it definitely was one of the most electric ones. I think the hype was the highest I could ever remember a home run derby. Um, and it delivered on almost, you know, most of the facets, minus the, you know, maybe Otani performing. Otani versus Alonzo with like a 100% Otani would have been fantastic. Yeah, like he Otani couldn't figure it out for the first. Yeah, he needed to get into a groove. And he got into one a little bit at the end yeah. um, to get it into overtime. But yeah. Yeah. And what pressure he was feeling, too. I mean, we can't discount that to mean nothing. I mean, <laughs> people were tuning in just to see him, and he's going in there, you know, with a three-pitch tiebreaker. Man, that pressure is yeah. intense. But, even for, uh, but before for, talking about all these guys, let's also mention Trey Mancini, um, who just had an excellent couple of rounds there, pushing himself to the finals. And, I mean, you knew him going first ahead of Alonzo. It's like, eh, he, you're probably not going to beat Alonzo. But he put up a pretty good number there. I think he had, what, 22? And, Very uh, good. For and that third round. round. Yeah. I mean, Trey Mancini, uh, just a really inspirational, you know, story from him just coming back from from fighting colon cancer last year to now uh, making it to the final round of the Derby. Yeah, and it was impressive because you saw the guys second round, they were hitting half as many, you know, in the same amount of oh, time. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he was for sure. And and then uh, Salvador Perez, too. Yeah. ESPN was not talking about Salvador Perez. They could not care less about Sal- Salvador Perez. They were talking about uh, Pete Alonso for pretty much the entirety of Perez's round. And Perez put up 28. He had a good round. Like, he yeah. did really well. But he, he had a very tough draw in Pete Alonso. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, great. What uh, we we should be talking about the futures game, and we will. Don't worry, that's on the agenda here. But uh, and that home run derby, I think, is really really fun and worth discussing for a few moments, as well as the All Star game. Although, you know what, I care a little bit less about the All Star game than I do the home run derby. I think I'm just going to admit that. I think uh, I'm still going to watch the All Star game, but it does drag on a little there at the end when we're like seeing Gregory Soto come in to pitch to like I don't know. Nelson Cruz or something. It's just, well, that won't happen, but <laughs> AL, but you know what I mean? It's just like at the end, ah, okay, but the, the start, the first couple of innings are definitely going to be must-see TV. Oh, yeah. But uh, before we do that, let's go over some of the news and notes. There's not going to be a lot to go over this week. We're really going to kind of do what I do in my teaching, which I prefer to do in my teaching in the real world, is to go into depth instead of the broad topic. So today we're going to be diving into a lot of detail on the futures game. Um, and, and that's going to be a lot of our topic. And, and even though it was one game, I think it does give us a lot to talk about. It's quite a good um, performance by a lot of prospects that um, a lot of people don't get to see live like that. So um, we're going to dump, jump into that in a second. But there are a few things. There are a couple promotions, some big ones. 
Um, of course, the, the biggest being Jason Dominguez being promoted to low A already. Um, we'll get to him in the, the futures game, but uh, quite a promotion already. I wasn't expecting that. Were you? Um, no, I was not expecting it this soon. I mean, the, the Gulf Coast League uh, just kind of got started about, what, two weeks ago? Um, and he's already moved his way up. I, I don't have uh, his stats. Um, they were, in just ball. to interrupt you, they weren't incredible. Four for 20 with a couple of stolen bases over seven games. Okay, so not, nothing super spectacular, actually. No, no, nothing that screams, oh, this guy's this guy's ready to to be moved up. But, I mean, well, the, the Yankees uh, maybe need some help. Um, and I don't know if they're expecting, you know, Dominguez to, you know, help out that soon. But, um, yeah, very, very aggressive uh, with Dominguez. Yeah, I was a little surprised, and uh, but definitely – if you have him on your dynasty team, like his value may it may never be higher than it is right now. Honestly, it, there's a there is a world where this that's the case. So I mean, you have to. I'm not telling you to trade him. Um, most of the people that have Dominguez on their but if you get an offer, obsessed, yeah, it, it's definitely worth listening to instead of just saying Jason is untouchable. Don't even bother. Like listen in, listen in. You might get something that just you have to pull the trigger on. Yeah, it could be Wander Franco. It probably won't be. But yeah, that's an interesting deal here as Wander is uh, kind of off to a tough start. Tough start, but we're not worried. It's not no. even worth talking about, really. No worries. Um, somebody that is worth talking about that I am extremely worried, and I have a big decision to make because we have our top 50 rankings coming out here in the next couple of weeks. And I have a gentleman by the name of Mackenzie Gore that I don't know exactly where I'm going to put him yet. Um, he can be as high as two, and he might be as low as, uh, I don't know, nine or ten just for some shock value, I suppose. But he's not even pitching right now. He's in the spring training facility, and he's been there since mid-June working on his delivery. And that's about all the information I can gather from Mackenzie Gore. <laughs> yeah, his his stats, you know, in AAA, six starts, 20 innings, 5.85 ERA. Um Certainly not looking like the the dominant starter that that he was expected to be, um, and I believe there was there a report about him kind of having a little bit of the yips earlier this year. Yeah, there was a, a small report about that. Well, he was at the alternative training site, alternate training site um, last year. Wasn't you know we we don't get the biggest information from those reports, but uh, we saw him in spring training and he it didn't look. Like he was throwing to the backstop or anything. It was more of like, I think we've even talked about this a little bit where his just messing up his, you know, repeatable delivery. You know, we've talked about mm -hmm. how that's an important thing in prospects. And I think that's where the yips are kind of getting into is messing up his delivery. And then it, the, he also has dealt with some blisters on his hand. Of course, I wrote an article about, I, I still think this, like, I think like if he's messing up with his delivery, he's getting blisters. Like something's wrong there. I just don't yeah. know what. Yeah, but but keep in mind, ju just because he's kind of been taken off um, the field at the moment, and he's down in uh, Arizona at the spring training complex, it, it's not a death knell. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of give this example from um, my Brewers experience. Corbin Burns uh, came up in 2019, had an absolutely terrible year. Just nothing was going right. They the Brewers pulled him off the field, and they they sent him to Arizona to the spring training complex, put him in their pitching lab, 
uh, to figure some stuff out. And he comes back and look at him now. He's an all-star. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm sure the Padres in their advanced analytics uh, player development stuff, I'm sure they've got some sort of a pitching lab type thing as well um, that they're putting Mackenzie Gore through. And when he comes out of it, you know, th- there's a strong chance that he's even better than he was before. Yeah, and I think if he's if he's truly healthy, then that's a definite possibility. Um, but I'm still not convinced that he's yeah, still like a, a little partner. wary. You know, there, there's no guarantee, obviously. Yeah. But th- this also doesn't mean that, you know, it's all downhill from here. Yeah. The thing going for him, if he cares about where he ranks on my top 50 list, is that. Which he probably doesn't, but. How dare you? <laughs> There, uh, there's probably not a lot of guys that I'm going to feel comfortable putting ahead of him. Like maybe Camposano is the only guy. Yeah. So he's probably looking at third or, f- or fourth. But uh, yeah, he's still only 22. Yeah. Stranger things have happened than uh, a guy kind of struggling here right before the, you know, well, people, the pitchers struggle all the time, whether it's in the big leagues or in triple A or in single A. It just, you know, just like hitters go through slumps, pitchers can go through slumps, too. We kind of forget about that. It just seems to be a really strange slump. It's very inexplicable what's happening. There's just not a great explanation, which is what puts me off a little bit right now. But um, anyway, let's move on. Hey, your boy, Hedbert Perez, made his stateside debut there in uh, the said Arizona Complex League on that. Did you have any information about how he's looked down there, um, one for seven with a double, a couple of strikeouts, walk through two games so far. Um, anything you want to give on the lowdown with him? Well, you're going to have to to update that. He went two for four yesterday, yesterday. Um, with a couple more hits. So he, he's three for 11, hitting 273 so far through a couple of games. Now, uh, the Arizona Brewers Gold got out to a bit of a late start due to COVID protocol. So he's only got three games so far. Um, but you know, looking, looking good, you know, off to, off to a solid start there already has a double, has an extra base hit. So, uh, certainly like to see that. Um, but I mean, a couple of other guys have gone off to, to good starts in, uh, the Arizona rookie league. Um, we had, uh, Eduardo Garcia, uh, another kind of big international signing out of Venezuela a couple years ago. He, um, had a, a home run the other day. Jefferson Cuero, uh, catcher already has a couple of home runs. So he's been hitting well. Um, so, you know, there's been, um, some, some pretty good starts down there. So it's, uh, it's good to see. I'm working on my, my mid season top 50 right now, um, and seeing where these guys are kind of landing. So, um, I, would like to have a little bit of a bigger sample size from, from the Arizona rookie league, but, um, so far, uh, it's been pretty good for a couple of these guys, including Hedbert. Yeah. Hedbert's the one I'm. Just so excited to see as he moves forward. And lastly, he's excited as me, man. No, I won't. Excited as me. I will never. I'll never admit. Uh, try to convince you of that. But uh, one last piece of news and notes here before we get into the futures game review, and that's Chris Rodriguez is getting stretched out as a starter down in Double A. He went four innings in his most recent start. Struck out six, allowed one run on three hits and a walk. So if you're wondering, hey, where in the world has Chris Rodriguez been? I thought he was going to be in the bullpen. Um, We talked about this, about how disappointed I was, really, that he was in the bullpen in the first place. And here we are, the Angels kind of out of it. 
Um, I guess they're not completely out of it, but I mean, they're at the point where making him a starter just makes way more sense for the long term. Yeah. So that's where uh, that's where he's been. I'm still very, very high on him. I hope that this little bullpen thing doesn't mess with him t- any, you know, too much. But uh, that's where uh, Chris Rodriguez has been hanging out the last couple of weeks and probably will for the next couple of weeks. Wouldn't wouldn't be surprised with a late call up here in September again as a starter. God knows the Angels can use some pitching. <laughs> yeah, and, and they they certainly know that themselves. If you saw their uh, draft class at all this year, which yeah, we'll get into a little insane. bit. Yeah, they picked all pitchers, all tw- all twenty rounds Jeez, were pitchers, man. every single one. Well, I mean, and you're gonna hit accidentally at that point. Yeah, I mean, you have to get at least at least a couple out of this. Like, come on, like there's no way all of these guys. If if all of them bust, the Angels are just straight up cursed. But, I mean, they got a couple of guys that I really liked in there, a couple of really um, high-ceiling, high-upside guys, um, and advanced college pitchers, a bunch of seniors in there as well. So these are guys who should move their way up quickly um, and help out the team. But we can get more into uh, the Angels drafts either later in this week's episode or next week. Absolutely. There is one truth about baseball that I'm almost convinced I will never change my mind, and that is you can never have too much pitching. Exactly. Never can happen. All right. We're going to take a break right now and we will be back to discuss future games, uh, future game, not future games. That didn't make much sense. The futures game. There it is. And uh, we'll be right back after this. back this is futures focus this is a podcast courtesy of prospect1500.com again alex sanchez here david gasper with you right as uh, the all-star game is about to commence here in a in a few hours we are discussing uh, another type of all-star game that happened a few days ago and that is the futures game i i was really excited for this game um we hadn't had one in a, a, a while since, you know, I kind of have been established here at Prospects 1500. I, I guess the same for you as well. So it was really kind of like a homework assignment. I felt like I needed to be taking notes on some of these guys and listening to <laughs> the announcers was interesting as well. I felt like some of them didn't really know <laughs> exactly what they were watching. I, I mean, um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But what did you think about the Futures game in general? Yeah, I mean, it was something that, I mean, when we looked at these rosters and, and talked about them last week, I mean, we, we were all kind of in agreement of, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the American League probably has a little bit more star power in this, but it was the National League coming out on top, mm-hmm. blasting some big flies there. Um, so that was really kind of cool to see. And um, I know I stole your pick for most exciting uh, National League pitcher uh, with Cade Cavalli. Uh, but I'd say he kind of lived up to uh, the the hype and expectations there, throwing 100 miles an hour, um, looking real good and opening some eyes there in the in the futures game. Yeah, velocity good, a little wild there, but still, I mean, velocity was velocity. He definitely was the hardest thrower there. Um, looked, uh, you know, I don't know if he can if he maintains that through a whole start, of course, but uh, definitely he's he's been rising up lists as well. Very good pitcher uh, to bring up right now a, a guy i wanted to bring up 
<clears throat> that I was um, very, very impressed with was Brennan Davis. And I, we've been, yeah. I, I think, a little split on Brennan Davis. I think I've had him a little bit higher than you've been willing to go. Um, mm-hmm. But what did you think of his performance? Of course, he had two home runs, MVP. Of course, it's just one exhibition game. Don't let this sway you too much. But uh, maybe getting a firsthand look of him, did he did he get a little bump for you? Um, what did you think of Brennan Davis? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he gets a little bump. Uh, I mean, uh, that was that was something that have we even had a guy hit hit two home runs in a futures game before? I mean, two for three, like two dingers. There, <laughs> you, like there's like you know what what else can you say? I mean, the the dude's got plenty of power, and he showed that to you, and. Um, you know, he's someone that is certainly, yeah, jumping up boards and, um, he's certainly going to be jumping up even more now after that. Yeah. The swing looked just so nice and compact. Don't forget. He is a good runner as well. A good defender out there. He looked really comfortable in, in a big stage. So this is somebody that I think in some circles you're going to see in a top 10, top 15 type of prospect. And then in other circles, you might see him in like, for instance, MLB has him at 45. You might see him even higher than that. So I think there's a little bit of a divide. And he's having an okay season. But don't forget, it's double A. It's coming off of a year. He was already, you know, he was originally a, a pretty raw prospect when he was drafted. So he's somebody that you have to, you're going to have to have a leap of faith to acquire. But it might be worth it. And uh, I don't know. Where do you think you would slot him now? I know we did our, our mock draft. I, I think I picked him quite earlier than you were ready to pick him. But when, where do you think you have him now? Just so we can kind of compare two of us. Uh, I think I'd probably have him now at around the same spot you uh, took him off the board at. Yeah, that's like that 10, 10 to 15 range. Um, yeah, stud. I think we're. I think we can officially label him a stud. I think that's we were like. Maybe borderline. I think this guy's pretty good, but now I think he's bona fide stud material. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, after you do something like that, I think you kind of firmly put yourself in that category. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Taylor Trammell. He did that too, I think, where he had just a huge futures game and then kind of hasn't lived up to it. But almost everybody else that puts up a big performance were the stars uh, later. Because it is, it's, it really is something for these young kids, and you could see it. When, you know, they're talking, they were, I loved how everybody was mic'd up. That was really cool. But how they're talking, like, they're all really excited for that day and they're amped up. And, you know, you saw, like you said, Kate Cavalli's throwing as hard as he possibly can. And um, these guys are really excited. So, of course, nerves are going to be there. And so to perform with those nerves on a big stage with everybody watching, well, not everybody, but a lot of people watching, it's kind of uh, is really impressive. Um, anybody else you want to talk? Maybe we'll just kind of go back and forth on, on guys that caught your eye. I have a guy if you're not quite ready, but um, I'll let you take the, the mic now. Um, well, another guy that, that also kind of um, caught my eye. I mean, uh, Toglia, Michael Toglia there of the uh, Rockies, actually. Being able to, to go yard in his own park um, or his own future park. Um, I thought that was, you know, a really good thing. I mean, corner bat, you know, should have some power. Um, but, I mean, that's something that uh, really kind of gives you a little bit of hope for the future there if you're a Rockies fan. Yeah, and I don't uh, – kind of an awkward-looking swing. He's very upright. Um, but, yeah, he crushed it. Uh, estimated 444-foot 
blast to left center. In, and that was with a humidor ball. Yeah, that's true. And then with, uh, you know, in front of the, the hometown, I suppose, a little added pressure. So, yeah. Did you see him running the bases? He almost looked surprised like he hit it out. Not surprised that he hit it out, but like he was just so genuinely happy that he had hit it out. Sure, like, oh, man, th- this is what it's like to hit the ball in a mile high air. Yeah, I can't wait. Now, he's first base in the game. Um, is, do we think that's where he he lands long term? Uh, I, I don't know. The Rockies have been kind of creative with their infield alignments um, over the past several years. So where he actually ends up, who actually knows? Yeah, I, know, I, I just I'm not thrilled if he stays on first because I mean we're looking at a 229 in uh, in high A right now. Ten home runs is nice. Um, he's he's walking an okay amount. But uh, 73 strikeouts, you know, I'd be a lot more excited if if he was a third baseman even or an outfielder. But at first base, I just I just can't get too excited. But a really cool moment. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a big arm. Um, he, he's he's got a above average arm. Um, he's he's given some pretty solid uh, defensive grades as well. So, you know, you'd, you'd think he'd be able to um, handle third base um if they needed him to and he may not have much range um but uh, you know you can still you know just gobble up whatever does uh come at you um or if they wanted to put him maybe in a outfield corner left field um right field perhaps uh, with that strong arm um you know that i feel like that's another spot where he could really kind of find some value yeah, I think if that happens I'd get a lot more excited for now. I, I think he's a fringe top 100 guy. Um, but one guy that definitely is not a top 100 guy and more of a top five guy, Bobby Witt Jr. I just, I think I I might be ready to put him up to number one pretty soon. Oh, wow. Or at least number two um, once, you know, all the these people graduate. Um, I was just supremely impressed with the way he handled himself, the, the way he's talking um, in terms of the pitches that were coming in. And granted, he was over two, but I mean, he hit the ball hard both to left and to right. Um, I don't know how those balls did not land. One of them was 113 mile per hour off the bat. It's like, I don't know how they weren't hits, but um, this kid is, he's quite special. He's quite special. Um, I, I don't know where the hole in his game is at this point. Um, so I, I think at this point, it's probably just experience because he's so young. I mean, drafted out of high school, um, you know, that's someone that, um, I think that's probably the the thing that's just most holding him back from from being moved up is that you don't want to uh, push him up too quickly um, and, and have things kind of kind of get to him there at the big league level and you, you can just kind of take a little bit of time to develop him. I mean the Royals really kind of aren't expecting to do much this year. There, there's it really kind of serves no purpose to to bring him up yeah. um, unless they wanted to and and get some ticket sales for the end of the year, but sure. still. The one thing um, with him in kind of a, a counter argument to that point, don't don't bring him up too soon, is like clearly this guy doesn't get phased by anything in terms of the major leagues, uh, coming from his dad being in the major leagues, being around yeah, it his whole life. A month-long slump hitting a buck ten of course, will that could, do some things to you. It could do some things to you as well. I, I just think that this kid is going to be so much fun to watch for the next 10, 15 years, and he's going to be, you know – he could be that Tatis level, just come out the gate and, and just 
ball out right away, and I'm I'm so excited to see him. Uh, I'm playing at a premium position, shortstop. He's going to stay there. Um, there's now seemingly more opportunity in Kansas City as Mondesi just can't stay healthy. Um, I mean, it's just they're waiting for him. So maybe not number one overall there. I, I'm, I'm probably jumping the gun a little bit. But if we're basing it solely on this game and we're letting this game dictate a lot of movers, um, he definitely would move up if that meant anything. Um, as opposed to like Julio Rodriguez, who kind of looked a little overmatched um, over three, three strikeouts. So that would be kind of his main competition for me right now. But again, this game <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Um, anybody else you want to uh, talk about on your end? Um, well, another guy that we kind of talked about just a little bit earlier, Jason Dominguez, Yeah, um, being able to get himself an opportunity, uh, in this game, Oh, for three, two strikeouts. Um, it kind of looked like, you know, he was, he was facing some advanced pitchers there. I mean, he was facing, uh, Ethan small for the last one, um, who's, you know, in triple a already, you know, probably a big league ready arm right now. Um, and his other one, who was his other strikeout against? Was that Cavalli? Cavalli. Yeah, it was Cavalli. Yeah. yeah. And Cavalli's Cade Cavalli. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's another tough at bat. So it, it's hard to fault him too much. Um, but you could also kind of tell it's like, okay, this dude's 18, 19 years old facing off against some, you know, pretty advanced 22, 23 year olds. Yeah. He hit that ball hard to third though. Like that ball that's true. hit almost nine, 99 times out of a hundred. Yeah, um, if he went yard there, we would have seen Yankees yeah. Twitter explode. It easily could have been. I mean, you just launched that a little bit higher. That ball's gone for sure. I mean, yeah, get so it in the in air, get it to fly. Yeah. If anything, you know, somebody watching that, maybe they didn't see that first at bat or whatever, and they see the 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Um, I think, I think he, if anything, he amped to stop. Obviously, the Yankees think so too. Uh, it was enough for them to promote him the next day. So, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. They liked it. Um, you know who I liked as well was seeing Torkelson. Torkelson just looked focused, ready to go. He was one for two with a single and a walk. Um, but what I was most impressed about was the defense that he showed at third, and he played there most of the game. So if he can play third base, I think that he's in the conversation for the number one overall prospect in the game. If he stays at first, I just don't know how you can make him the number one overall prospect. But um, if he if he's able to stick at third, that guy can hit, dude. That guy is uh, he is a professional. He looks like a major league hitter out there already, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He he certainly looks good. He looks ready to go. Um, and that's really just kind of something that, that you really want to see. And when they drafted him first overall, I mean that was really kind of the the thing. You know, he could move up relatively quickly. Um, and he was initially thought of as a first baseman, but they announced him at third. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you know, we'll see if he can handle that position and then he can get some more value out of him, um, being a third baseman. And, you know, so far he's sticking there. Um, and, and if he's able to do that, then, um, everything's, uh, everything's coming up to Detroit's way. Yeah, dude, if he can stay at third and he, again, he looked good on that. You know, big stage, top prospects, launching balls, you know, right at him. He he didn't flinch. He made all the plays and make an error. Again, one game. But whatever. We're we're overreacting here today. Let's just embrace it. Um, and that's kind of the only thing that we're waiting on is defense for fantasy purposes. Let's go, go get this guy in any way you can. And he uh he he's probably 
ready to go 2022. I don't see what would stop him at this point, minus maybe an injury or something like that. But I mean, he's going to be up there. He's a 2022 uh, rookie of the year favorite now, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, he's certainly on his on his way up. And, you know, if he hits the way that we expect him to, he's he's certainly going to be the favorite for that. Yeah. And his teammate, Riley Green, also looked really good. And talking about a professional hitter, he looked professional up there going opposite for one of his base hits. He was two for three and uh, he started in center field. Uh, He did move over. Uh, later on in the game, but made a couple of nice plays and uh, he looks really solid. I don't know if he's going to be a superstar, but um, I'm thinking definitely a a long productive major league career from him with a very little downside. And this game just kind of confirmed what I had already been thinking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is, um, I'm sorry. I kind of zoned out there for a second. (laughs) The point is Riley Green and Spencer Tolkelson are quite good. Oh, Riley Green, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the Brewers just kind of made a made a trade, so I kind of got distracted there. Oh, um, oh, breaking news will break the news. You have to we have to Oh, have it, it, it's up. not it's not much. Um, they just acquired Kyle Lobstein from the Nationals um, in exchange for cash. Um, left handed pitcher. left handed pitcher. Left-handed pitcher. Yeah. Um, and then designated Ryan Weber for assignment. Fascinating. I know, well, right? We also, we Justin Topa is going on rehab assignment. Can't say I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame you. <laughs> anyway, Riley Green, good. Um, anybody else that you want to move, uh, you want to talk about? Um, we'll do a quick lightning round session on just some of the guys we haven't. Let's do that. Okay. Let's do that. Um, Austin Martin was there. Showed up, uh, replaced Bobby Witt Jr., had an RBI single. Um, I think he's closer to the big leagues than a lot of people think. I acquired him in a dynasty league the other day. Um, I gave up Joey Gallo, essentially. I mean, I got some other prospects as well, but I got Austin Martin coming back my way. Um, that's how high I am on him now, I think. so. Hmm, perhaps that's a trade that could happen in real life if the, the Rangers are going to be trading Gallo soon. Hmm. Hmm. Who would I don't say know no? if the... I don't I would, think the Blue Jays should be in on Joey Gallo. I mean, they, I think they, more, need, uh, they more need pitching, but still. Yeah. Um, that, I, I think the Blue Jays would say no to that. Um, but um, Adley Rutschman didn't sh- uh, ball out or anything like that. Um, he, what, he walked a few times. Yeah, over um, one with a walk. Over one with a walk, yeah. But uh, what I was impressed was when he was facing, uh, was it Shane Boz? No, it wouldn't have been Boz. It was it was somebody that was um oh gosh, was it Cole Wynn, something like that. Anyway, he was like identifying cutter versus fastball versus like sinker slider. Like he was just identifying these pitches on the fly, and I was just really imp- impressed with that. So um, he's absolutely fine. Love him, obviously. I'm not more to say yeah. about that. Um, who else? Oh, Michael Harris, my guy. Um, you're not going to see hits, but he hit the ball hard. I was impressed with his uh, composure up there. I think that he, uh, again, he should be rising up people's ranks. I'm very interested to see where um, some updated lists will have him on some of these publications, including our own. Um, Reed Detmers, I think, is uh, is becoming an elite pitching prospect. Um, struck out two of the guys that he faced, including Brett Batty. 
Now he did have the, you know, he has the um, advantage there being the lefty, but still, any and the other guy with <laughs> Rockies stud prospect Willie McGiver. Um, <laughs> um, but still, Reed Detmers looked really, really good. I think he's starting to become a, you know, a top five, top ten pitching prospect. Uh, my guy Tyler Soderstrom, I was excited to see. Um, but he uh, he didn't do much. He struck out in his only at bat. Kelnick didn't do much either. Weird seeing him there, you know. But he's still fine. Julio, as we mentioned, was 0 for three. Uh, Max Meyer was weird. Came out and threw seven pitches and then left. I don't know what the deal was with that, but looked good on those seven pitches, I suppose. Um, Francisco Alvarez rocketed a solar homer to left. Um, that was impressive. A catching prospect from the Mets. And uh, your boy, Ethan Small, like you said, kind of ended the game there, striking out Jason Dominguez and Julio Rodriguez to close out the victory. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He gave up up a couple of runs before that, but, you know. Sure, we we, won't talk about that. that. We won't talk about that. Uh, Quinn Priester, I thought, looked really, really good. He fired two-thirds of an inning. Uh, He did allow a walk, but he struck out Cespedes there to end uh, end the inning. Um, He looked really – his pitches were moving a ton, even – Somebody, I forgot who, but somebody had mentioned that uh, that was mic'd up. Uh, of course, Jose Barreo, formerly Jose Garcia, hit that first home run, pimped it. Really good looking swing there. He's He's got to be close. I think uh, he's made some great progress this year. Um, Alec Thomas looked good out in the outfield. Not so much at the plate, but um, still impressive. Michael Bush had a single. Luciano worked a walk. Camposano uh, was okay but look good behind the plate and i think that's it that's it yep. that was the that's a lightning round all right one last thing on the agenda we're, we're we are planning on having a huge in-depth draft review with our guy sean from last week and he can't quite make it yet he's 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 going to be joining us soon um yeah, and very we're make bu- very busy schedule yeah i mean no doubt he the things that he knows were crazy. He was telling us who was going to get picked five minutes before. It was, I don't know how you have those type of connections, but he's amazing. We want to have him on. And let's be honest, he knows about the draft more than both of us combined. Um, mainly because I don't know much and he just <laughs> knows more about it than you. No offense. Oh, yeah. But uh, he's insane. So we want to get him back on here. And then that's going to be like our, we might even go longer than the hour maybe it's an hour and a half i don't know i'm not gonna make any promises but i do want to save a lot of the in-depth analysis but we have to as it is our duty here as a prospects podcast to at least mention some of the uh crazy things crazy things that happened on the draft and i've been talking for a while so david i'm gonna let you kind of describe in your version about the craziness yeah so the this draft you know, there, there was kind of some unpredictability, you know, going into it. It's like, oh, we might see some crazy stuff. We didn't know that the crazy stuff was going to start uh, right away. Uh, and it did. The first overall pick, Henry Davis, a catcher out of Louisville, um, going to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, that was some people really kind of weren't expecting. Davis was the best college bat um, in the draft this year. Um, he, he was in a tier of his own up there. Um, so, you know, really kind of, you know, good for him for sure. Uh, a little, you know, definitely a heavy underslot for the pirates, uh, as they went high schoolers kind of later on immediately following. Um, but I mean, Davis, he's not 
an Adley Rutschman type, you know, one, one, you know, top overall pick, you know, he's got good bats, um, you know, good hit tool, good power, uh, real cannon for an arm. Um, but he's not, he's not an Adley Rutschman, uh, type guy necessarily. He's not that good with the bat. Um, and then you got Jack Leiter going too. That's something that I think a lot of people were kind of thinking about and, and kind of thinking should be the pick. Uh, they end up going with them. Um, what was really kind of surprising was to see Marcelo Meyer falling to four uh, with the Boston Red Sox. I mean, the, every report was that the Tigers loved Marcelo Meyer, and if he got there, they'd go with him. Uh, but instead, the Tigers go with Jackson Job, the high school righty, uh, who's probably one of the best and most advanced high school pitchers uh, we've seen in the drafts in a while. Um, but, uh, you know, the story of the draft was the high school shortstops, and they fell a lot more than expected. Marcelo Meyer going four, uh, Jordan Lawler going six to Arizona, uh, and then Brady House falling all the way to 11 um, with Washington, and Khalil Watson falling to 16th to Miami. Um, so that was really kind of, you know, interesting to see them spread out um, a bunch of pitchers there early. Kumar Rocker falling to 10th to the Mets. Uh, just kind of fell into their laps there. Um, that was really kind of interesting to see um, for Rocker. But, you know, just a very kind of wild and crazy first round. The craziest pick of all was the Kansas City Royals going with Frank Mazzucato, yeah. a high school lefty in, out of Connecticut, seventh overall. I mean, this was a dude that was, you know, maybe creeping his way into the back end of the first round, uh, but more likely a second round pick. And they took him seventh overall over Kumar Rocker. Um, just a very interesting uh, selection um, playing some slot games, Kansas City. So um, that's really, uh, the I think, the biggest shock, and, and it pushed a lot of these guys um, a little bit further down the board. Um, but it's going to be um, it's, it's gonna be very interesting to see how a lot of these guys end up playing out. Yeah, I mean, kind of a funny story with me. I was playing some ball on on Sunday we have our Sunday leagues and uh, I didn't get the, the game ended right when I the draft was starting essentially so when I finally got to be watching it I saw uh, Marcelo Meyer being drafted fourth overall and I was like what in the world why is he being drafted number four um, besides you know of course Scott Green being ex- just exceedingly happy about that oh, yeah. uh, and I just was shocked that Henry Davis was the pick. Now, I, I, in retrospect, people were saying, yeah, they, they weren't going to take the obvious chalk pick there. But um, I just, I, I like we, we've discussed this it, it a little bit. It destroyed every yeah. single mock draft. Every single mock draft had Marcella Meyer um, or Jordan Lawlers or something like that. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Henry Davis is kind of, you know, in the mix still. They haven't ruled him out, but... More than likely, it's it's uh, Marcella Meyer. And then they end up going with Davis. Um, yeah. So that's just, I mean, they don't really have a catching prospect. They, they don't have one at the big league level. They don't have one in their system. So it kind of fits what they need. You know, advanced college bat, he should be able to move relatively quickly. Uh, he might need some work with the receiving skills. But cannon for an arm, a really strong bat, good power. Um, so, you know, that's something that uh, really could... Um, be beneficial for Pittsburgh. I suppose. And like you said, it did allow them to sign some uh, overslot deals later on in the draft. And if those guys hit, then obviously this is going to look like a great 
great draft. Uh, it's all unknown. I mean, all yeah, of this but is But if Marcelo Meyer ends up turning into a stud, then Pittsburgh's like going to look pretty foolish. I mean, he looks really, really good. And to, I mean, I, I could only assume that, you know, Texas assumed that, you know, that would be the pick, uh, you know, later, uh, earlier on, maybe weeks ago, that Meyer would be the pick. Um, and so they fell in I love. I think they with needed Lawler Meyer. anyways. I mean, Meyer is someone who's, I mean, he's still going to take a little bit. And I think Texas has plans on contending relatively soon, the, w- the way they got their core set up and, yeah. Lighter makes and their sense. whole prospect situation. So Lighter fits them yeah. uh, a whole lot better. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see them taking him like they were like, OK, sweet. We're going to be getting he's not going number one. We have this, the number two pick and they fell in love with him. I mean, what's not to love with Jack Lighter? He's just like exactly. a big league pitcher right now, <laughs> almost. Um, that, like you said, Detroit pick, picking Jackson Job there at three is a little surprising and risky. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm I think I'm becoming not a fan of taking high school pitchers with those top 10 picks. Um, and yeah. yet we saw, but, you know, all the reports on Job just have him being completely yeah. different than any That's other high school pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. So I get it. I just don't know about number three when when the, those shortstop, um, yeah, especially when Meyer is there. That, that mm-hmm. was really surprising to me that they passed up on Meyer. Because mm-hmm. everywhere else that you looked, it's like, oh, they would love if Marcelo Meyer got here, and he would totally be the pick if he's on the board. Mm-hmm. And then he was on the board, and he wasn't the pick. Yeah. And then going back to Kumo, Kumar, uh, oh my, Kumar Rocker. Yeah, I can say it. I just didn't come out right. Kumar Rocker. Um, obviously, there was some rumblings that he was going to be falling. What do you think if the number one reason why he fell? Um, I, I think, you know, perhaps the industry just wasn't as high on him as others. I mean, there's, um, you know, I, I think as uh, Sean might have pointed out, you know, there there might be some thoughts that he could end up uh, as a reliever, you know, whether it's, you know, durability or just, you know, trying to get the um, stuff to play up. I'm not sure. Um, but well, what's interesting is that the Angels picked Sam Bachman, who essentially has double the reliever risk that oh rocker yeah for had. sure and Over they rocker. picked him ahead of rocker so to me it, signability which i wasn't really concerned about i think that played a big role i think uh yeah. well and especially after he kind of fell away. beyond uh six there yeah um you know after that it's like okay um you know he's gonna need a, a overslot bonus here if you're gonna take him uh, yeah. He ended up signing for six million dollars, which is about um, halfway between the fifth and sixth overall pick um, yeah. for for a slot value. So once you got beyond that, yeah. I mean you're going you're going well over slot uh, to sign this guy. Um, so it's going to be, you know, it, it could be something that we look at years down the road, and it's going to be either man, I can't believe a talent that we had known about for so long fell this far, or it's going to be you know, th- this dude was was way overhyped to begin with, and this was just a, a sign of, you know, everyone kind of catching up to it. Yeah, and I don't know which road I would bet on right now. What I do think I know for sure is that he had fallen at least out of the top two picks, and once that started to happen, it was almost like a snowball effect where he still wanted that three, four money, but uh, those teams weren't ready to give it to them, give it to him right then, and it just needed a team that was willing to do it at that point. And that's what happens in these baseball drafts is sometimes the best, best or the better players don't get picked first as 
you know, example there. I mean, uh, almost assuredly rocker is better than the Royals, uh, Mazzucato right now and, and essentially for the next couple of years. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I don't get that pick. Sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah, but the angels again, maybe, you know, they wanted to take the guy with the higher, I mean, he, he does have more electric stuff, which is hard to say, if, you know, against K- Kamar rocker, not too many people can say that, but if one person can, it's Sam Bachman. And uh, like you said, the angels just, wanted to pick a lot of pitching. So they, they said, well, we'll just pick the highest upside guys and one of them will hit and things will be good. Um, after that, there was a, there was one more guy that fell way farther than I thought uh, after kind of discussing that was Khalil Watson. He goes to Miami at 16. Um, were you as shocked as I was to see him go that far? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was someone that, you know, as late as an hour or so before the draft, he was still in consideration for the first overall pick and he ends up falling to 16. And, you know, I think also like once you got beyond a certain point, like, you know, 10 or 11, you know, then you got signability concerns. Um, so, I mean, that's someone that um, I, I think Miami got a huge steal at. Um, they went with some big upside uh, high school talent um, in, in this draft, Khalil Watson followed by Joe Mack. Um, so, um, the, it, you know, if they're able to sign these guys, which they should, then, I mean, they, I think they got a really, really good draft. Uh, I mean, Watson's a, a pretty electric player, um, so it's uh, it's huge for them. Yeah, as a Braves fan, it was upsetting seeing the Mets get Rocker at 10, which shouldn't have happened. Getting House at 11 for the Nationals shouldn't have happened. And then freaking Khalil Watson to the Marlins at 16 shouldn't have happened. That was all quite upsetting as a Braves fan. Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy draft here and definitely worth going into more detail, which we will here in the upcoming days. We're planning on kind of a bonus episode here with Sean. We'll get him back on. But uh, for now, I think that's going to do it. This was Futures Focus. This is a podcast courtesy of Prospects 1500, David Gasper, Alex Sanchez, saying thank you again for your support and listening to the episode. We'll be back soon to go over the depth, uh, the the draft in more detail. But until then, take care, enjoy the All-Star game, and we'll see you soon.